Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Naked Professors podcast. I'm Ben and sitting next to me is... Mr. Matt Johnson. Welcome. This is a podcast where we will be discussing everything to do with mental health. Hopefully opening up a massive conversation about the, the topic of mental health and as well destroying the stigma attached to it too. Right, Ben? Absolutely. We're here to strip away the mask. We want to bare our soul. Uh, we're here to just go a bit deeper into the conversations that we feel really matter. Yeah, and as well, we're, we're going to introduce uh, some special guests. And today we have, I'd, I'd say, one of the most special guests that I've uh, that I've ever spoken to. It couldn't have got much better. It couldn't better. have got much better. She was an absolute superstar. And today's guest is somebody very special indeed. It's the wonderful Davina McCall. And she was absolutely incredible. Do you know what? I think... My heart melted a little bit in this conversation. Yeah. Honestly, when we sat there with Davina, we, we knew obviously she's incredible, but actually sitting there and having the conversation we had, for me, was so powerful. I hope that comes across. Yeah, definitely. And, and we talked about everything to do with addiction, relationships, uh, her grandmother, her mother. Uh, it was a really special moment where she really shared with us, didn't she? She did. She really opened up. And I think even for Davina, actually, there was a, an element of... The uniqueness of having this conversation with two men you know we sat there and that really i felt that and it, i i felt yeah that we touched her heart a little bit in this yeah conversation we became buds forever didn't we i hope so yeah i, I think so she's probably <laughs> slagging us off but i felt it <laughs> should we uh introduce davina to everybody else absolutely we went to davina's house to record this very special conversation hello there i'm matt and i'm ben and we're the naked professors Hi Ben, how are you today? I'm very good. You doing I'm, well? Uh, I am doing. I'm a bit croaky, as it just showed immediately. Yeah, um, but I'm good. You good? Good. Jet lagged, a little tired, but generally good. Did you see how he got that in there? 
We've got to Jan. introduce you first oh, before you talk, okay? Whose uh, voice is that? Oh. That voice yes. is the voice of the nation, in my opinion. <laughs> um, one of my favourite people in the entire world. Davina McCall's in the house Hi. today. Yes. Actually, we're in your house. Thank you very much for yeah, inviting us. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, like, it's a real pleasure. You make a banging cup of tea. Thank you. You really it's do. strong. In your commemorative mugs. Yeah. I really like I that. love the royal family. You do love the royal family. Do I really nice do mugs. Like. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on to our show. It's a pleasure. Thank Thank you for asking me. No, it's, it's our absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, we're here to talk about mental health um, and everything that surrounds that. And um, and it's very important to me and Ben, as you know, to talk about this and to normalise this discussion. How important is it for you? I mean, I feel like I was wanging on about looking after our minds a long, long time ago. Because I kind of, when I first started in telly, which was like 26 years ago. Wow, Yeah, that's mad. Four channels. Um, yes, four channels. Um, and when, when I started, I had to come clean pretty quickly about my drug, my drug abuse because I just thought, well, someone's gonna, gonna tell on me or sell a story. I'm gonna definitely try and get forward my side of the story before anybody does that. Not because I really wanted to. I didn't want to tell everybody that I was an ex-drug addict, but I thought I better get it out there in my words. And actually the response that I got was amazing. And then I thought, oh, I think people people are relieved when somebody really tells it like it is. So then I just started going, well, because back in those days, if you said you went to a counsellor or for any kind of therapy, people would look at you like, Something or was you wrong. are really broken. Yeah. For me now, I mean, I talk about this all the time, I see therapy as just, I, I've got somebody that I go and talk to. And if I have an issue, I might just go and talk to her for two sessions and just go, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling getting through this issue. Um, it might be even like a friendship issue or it could be a trust issue. I mean, it could be anything, but it could be something that I need a professional outlook mm. on or just somebody that doesn't know me or any of my friends or any of my life well you can go to mm. therapy um to preempt something yeah you know i think the idea of i posted once on instagram that i had um i meditated and then the amount of people underneath were asking me are you okay what's wrong is everything mm. is everything okay mm. but it was more do you know what i know i've got a busy period coming up so i'm just going to get mm. some clarity and some um, stillness just before i'm doing that mm. so it's just like a training session for my mind isn't it weird such. that we perceive it that way that yeah. when you do something that's growth you go and see a coach or you go and something for yourself meditate people are like are you okay rather than that's amazing. You want mm. to grow as a person. Well mm. done, you. But if you did it with your physical um, training, so well if you go done. to the gym, amazing. We can kind of quantify that. Yeah. But if it's anything to do with your mental health, yeah. it's a weakness. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. You were vulnerable, and the response was nothing but positive. Mm. You know, I think that's important to know. I mean, a physical thing I think is interesting because I'm looking at you, and I know that I can see that you work out. But I work out a lot for the way that it makes me feel mentally. You. Totally, yeah, and and we, we touched on this off air actually a minute ago before. But I said to you that you know physically my journey started because probably I had mental issues and that I looked for validation. You know, I wanted people to look at me and tell me I was good because I didn't feel it myself. And you were so, naturally slim, really skinny, naturally. Yeah, um, mm. I, my dad's really tall and skinny, and and I took that on, and that was the way I, I, I grew up. And for me, I always wanted to play rugby, and I felt sort of a bit inadequate on the rugby field everyone was strong and I was this skinny guy so I was like oh I need to 
people to like me I need to put some muscle on mm. and that's how it started but now it has evolved and I, I did work on myself and it really changed and it became something that I really do do for myself now um, and it's there is a definite transition you know you do it because it makes you feel good you feel proud of what you've just achieved mm. you've challenged yourself mm. you put yourself through some some punishment almost you know I did I did a workout this morning and I went to uh, I'm uh, so we're in London I normally live in in the country with my kids but on a Wednesday night I'm in London Wednesday mm-hmm. night's London night and I tried out uh, a class up here spin class that I'd never been to before and I was really nervous because down where I live like I know everyone at the gym like we all know each other we're a big family we're very welcoming but I was going to a London spin class I didn't <laughs> know anyone I felt like expectations of me are mm. massive mm. and I thought what am I going to do and I thought I've just got to really front this out so I went in and pretended I felt really confident yes. and I went on a bike in the front row and the oh, teacher wow. came in and he went oh front row and I was like yeah put that in your pipe and smoke it you know and then we started and as the class went on like that fake confidence turned into real confidence and when I left I had the adrenaline from the class and I was quite chuffed with myself because I did overcome a bit of a fear Yeah. yeah and everybody there was miles younger than me and like you know I just I thought everybody was better than me you know these stupid things that you tell yourself and I'm sure people look at me and go I can't believe you actually feel like that but I do I do and um but afterwards I felt God, I I did I overcame a fear I went anyway on my own I went in the front row I you know I was proud of myself so it's more than just a workout. Exactly. It's like, it's good on a million different levels. You feel better about yourself having done that. You mm. just overcome a challenge. Mm. And it, there's so many positives. Like, mm. I totally agree. And it's not just about the fact that you look better as a result mm. of it. It's the fact that you've grown as a person. You've yeah. just put yourself, you've done something that you didn't necessarily Facing want to do. Facing your fears. Facing your fears a little all bit. All that type of stuff. Do you find you, you, you find you do that to yourself all the time? All the time. Challenge mm. yourself all, all the, the time. time. Because, because I have noticed the the way that that makes me feel. Small yeah. challenges, like, leads to big growth. Yeah, I think because mm. you you achieved a lot publicly with sport relief. Mm. That huge. And then, well, that was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. And, that, and, but that's a huge achievement, right? Mm. That's something you sh- you could look back on and go, "Do you know what I did that?" But mental health wise, that was a really interesting. It took me to a really interesting place because you know me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you, we don't know each other brilliantly well, but no. I feel like I know you a bit and yeah. you know me a bit, right? Yeah, I know you. And um, I see you. You see me. Yeah. And I have never, I'm a happy person generally. Like my glass is always half full. And I just couldn't find that anymore. Like I lost the ability to wake up and be chipper. It was intense. Like what, I went the period of yes, that challenge. I went. I had moments where I was so I was so dark. I just couldn't stop crying. And I remember somebody going, like, you know, in the sweetest possible way. Could you maybe with the next radio interview try and not <laughs> like cry so cry. much? <laughs> And I was just like, I, I really want to stop crying. I want, I want to stop, but I don't know what's happening to me. Really? But what was interesting, I went to the darkest of places, but I realised that 
it's it's okay and I can still come back. Yeah. And I also realize that when I think I've got nothing left, I've never really gone to completely nothing, to empty, um, that I've I've still got more. Like you think, mm. I, I can't do this. Mm. And actually I went superhuman. Mm. Like, and I'm just, a, I mean, I am, I love my working out, but I am a mum. I don't work out every day. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm, I work. Um, so I, I am sort of normal, but I went superhuman. And there were weird times where I thought I was going to break, like snap. And then there were other times where I laughed so hard. Like I, I had such a laugh and we had such a funny time. Mm. And then five minutes later, I'd just be on the floor. It was weird. So did you get into your fitness more after that? Or have you always been into spinning and fitness? Yeah, so I, not really. Like I, in my 20s, we talked a bit about this earlier, didn't we? In my 20s, I, I got into fitness because I'd stopped clubbing. Yeah. And I um, started... Uh, so when I was clubbing, I was going out clubbing four nights a week, maybe, and pogoing effectively for six hours, <laughs> like every night. So I was really fit. Yeah. And then um, I stopped clubbing and I stopped taking drugs. So I started probably eating better. Yeah. Um, and no exercise. And then on top of that, I stopped uh, smoking, which was like a stone straight off the bat. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do something. So I joined a gym. I just sort of did it to do a bit of maintenance. I wasn't, I, I didn't really enjoy it. It was a chore. Mm. And then when I was pregnant with my second child and I, I, you know, I literally, I hate women that look like they've got a football up their t-shirt when they get pregnant because my face gets pregnant. My ears get pregnant. My like, <laughs> my hands get pregnant. My feet get pregnant. I mean, I'm so, I'm like just everything explodes and I was pregnant with my second child and I thought my goodness I'm gonna have to really do something after I've had Tilly and I met this amazing woman Jackie and she was like a little bouncy pixie and she got me into the joys of exercise um and then as I've progressed the thing that I've discovered in my late 40s um and I'm nearly 51 now is classes and oh my god I like the camaraderie of classes mm. and we were talking about this as well mm. the sharing I mean mm. we I did a dance class with this woman Faye I am I mean I love dancing and I feel like I've got good timing but I've got no I'm so stiff and I'm not loose at all like I'm always trying to look like Faye and she's so loose and cool and everything <laughs> um, but it was a bunch of sort of um it was just a bunch of women from Tunbridge Wells, probably all in their like 30s and 40s, and I'm 50. And it actually got a bit emotional at one point because we'd all come together and we were all doing something that we felt enormously uncomfortable about, which felt like stretching ourselves emotionally and physically and watching people release and do something and really let rip. Mm. Was, it, was, it was really weird. It was very powerful. Mm. And so exercise does that for me as well. I mean, there's been lots of times when I've cried or somebody else has cried or I said to somebody on the cl at the class on Friday, hey, how are you doing? She burst into tears. <laughs> we had a quick oh. chat before the class. Wow. It's really, um, 
it is a place where we will come together and do a lot of healing yeah. not just physically but mentally too when you do exercise though i do think it opens up your conversation i don't know if it's because you build a bit of confidence and you've, you've i don't know you've exercised and you feel the endorphins or but it does allow you to i feel have that a bit more confidence to to then vocalize what's really going on a little bit it's a strange i often find that when i exercise when i come out of the gym I'm feeling really inspired. Well, yeah. Lots of creative yeah. ideas come in. Lots of things come up yes. in a really positive way or I can have a conversation with my mum in a deeper way straight after exercising than I did before walking into the gym where I'd be a bit, not flat, but not, mm-hmm. do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it does induce something within you that allows you to open up a little bit more, I find. And I think for women in particular, mm. we we get vulnerable in classes mm. because of that, putting yourself out there and looking foolish and Mm. a class is somewhere where you open yourself to being out of your comfort zone Mm. and that's scary Mm. and you do it and Mm. so you get a bit vulnerable and that's when you're like oh my god i'm i'm open for talking Mm. about stuff that potentially i wouldn't can we talk about that because can we talk about the power of vulnerability because you know you've just touched on it there but we also touched on it earlier where all three of us have we've all shared stories um you know you two very publicly and well, I, I did publicly as well people don't know me but um and we've all received a huge amount of positivity off the back of that you know and, and initially you're like oh my god i'm going to go and talk about this yeah. this is this is not my proudest moment it's not kind of um my my finest hour but yet the amount of positivity and the, the, the reaction that you get from it um, is incredible and I think we are entering this stage now in the world where people are starting to realise that they want to see the real you and nobody's perfect so mm. you know, you're thinking you've got this going on you're thinking you've got that going on but so is that person that person that person suddenly when you share it they're like wow okay I'm not on my own I'm, I'm, they're human as well mm. we've all got something and actually when you open up your heart people see you it's incredible vulnerability is probably one of the best characteristics in a human being but we all still fight against it we all, we're all very much aware that if you see a superhero marked or cry or feel, see, see them vulnerable, it's the, it's the best point of every movie. And then the, yeah, the only true, way is that. We all, we all know what we like yeah, from a Big Brother contestant or a Strictly Come Dancing contestant is the bit when they were nearly knocked out and then they got, got the character to go back up there and they cried and they were vulnerable and they let themselves go so we mm-hmm. see the real them. We all are aware that that's the best quality, yeah. but we still try and hide it. Yeah. Well, I, I have to, I'm going to put my hand up there and say I, ha- I am the light. The, I have been the worst person for that. I am terrible at asking for help. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm just like the worst. Mm. And often I would say the people, people would say of me, yeah, but you're, you're fine. Mm. Like, you don't get that. I was like, oh, this is the impression that I'm giving people yeah. that I don't need help. And I'm not talking about, I mean, I'm talking about ridiculous things like, um, I, I think p- basically the idea would be that I, I am a hard person to look after. Do you, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I know what that you like, mean. I am, uh, you people get, in. I don't think you it's, don't want I, help? no, because I do let, I let people in and I let my friends in. I think I give off the impression mm. that I don't need looking after. I think because I'm independent and I'm financially independent, mm. but to me, looking after somebody isn't paying isn't paying for them. It's a it's next so level. There's like many different ways of looking after yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. isn't it? But I think when a woman can look after herself financially, it's a really interesting thing mm. because 
um, it, it's a it's a big deal to then like it's like well how do I look after you if I don't look after you financially they look after their heart yes <laughs> yeah but the, the easiest thing to do is to pay for something you know doesn't that doesn't take any any guts or yeah. but it's that goes easy. into men as well because more women now are becoming more independent mm. financially so there's mm. a bunch of guys going what can I offer but this is a really interesting talk it's fascinating to have. yeah and I think that you guys need to address this in future talks and um he's he's really contentious and lots of people don't like him but i think he's pretty amazing but jordan peterson touches on this a mm. lot of um what what like in this kind of time of women you know going out there and making money and making home and like trying to kind of do it all like what is the role of the man and actually the role of um, for me i get really upset when sort of women go like on hating men i i really it really upsets me because i have a son and he's a really great guy and uh, there are lots of really great guys out there look there are some guys out there who are like in the dark ages but there are loads like you guys shit I'm sitting oh sorry I was sure. you can swear you um, can do what you anyway want. I'm sitting with you guys you guys are amazing like you're open and you're honest and you're talking about your feelings and like it's a different there are lots of really good guys out there mm. but um, I think that gets lost in the lost in the sort of fight for women's rights which i'm very pro but i'm i'm what i want is i want men um and this is for my daughters and this is for my son and this is for me to stand next to me as a partner so it's like everything is a partnership everything is like what shall we do about dinner it's not like i'm gonna be at work all day and i'm gonna cook dinner for you it's like, what shall we do about dinner? You've been at work all day. I've been at work all day. Yeah. What shall we do? Because yeah. it used to be, yeah. what's for dinner, darling? Yeah. And I'd go, well, you know, I've got your slippers at the door. And it, but it's not like that anymore. No. And mm. everything's changed. A massive time of change. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you guys need to be the, like the role models for my son to follow. Like, mm. you know, this is how you can still be a man. Mm. And, well, this is the thing. And, and find your way as a man and stand next to a woman and support her and she'll support you. We live in London and outside. And, but when you go to where I grew up, where industries have been taken away, um, a, a sense of purpose and a, a togetherness has completely been de- demolished. Um, there's a lot of debris. There's, there's massive demographics of guys that have no purpose and they cannot provide. Purpose is a huge thing. And I think what we have been told as guys, all of our lives and for our past generations before, your purpose is to provide for your wife and your kids. Mm. And that's it. Oh, and that's taken away because modern industries go, come and go on and jobs and then more women get more work. At the moment, guys are going, well, my purpose has been taken away. And guys trying to find what their actual purpose is. It's a huge Mm. thing. And that's what we are doing this So what is it to you then? Oh, do you know what? I, I, it's a constant I, quest. Yeah, but do you know what? I, if, I'm going to sound really cheesy here, and this is going to be really cliched, but the purpose of it all is love. Like, yeah. it really, like, when, you know, for all the, I'm going to be a man and I'm going to provide, and you're going to be a lady and you're going to cook dinner, and we're going to, that's our roles, and we're going, that's kind of the team. Like, there'll be always be a sense of emptiness for me if that's what it's got to be from a place of love where mm. it's not about the man paying for dinner and mm. all that stuff, it's yeah. about the two opening their hearts to each other and connecting at a properly deep level. That's what it's about. That, that because 
the like the really important thing is that you just keep talking so if there is an issue where you think actually that's really niggling me mm. that's niggling me that um you know you you were expecting me to do this or um that i've been doing this or just talk about it because mm. these little it's the little things that grow into big things and it's ridiculous really because actually if you just try and keep talking keep the conversation open and without love like that's so hard isn't it yeah I love this concept of safe, uh, the concept of safe conflict. Mm. So the idea of the ability of being able to talk about anything with your mm. partner and it not being judgmental or personal, it's for the good of the two of you that you're sharing these things. Because yeah. like, like you say, a tiny thing, you know, you never put your breakfast bowl away. You know, every day after a year, God's sake, you're not put a bloody breakfast bowl away <laughs> yeah. again. We live in some world. It, yeah. We do. But then, you know, two minutes after they haven't put the breakfast bowl away for the hundredth time, you have a go at them for something else completely mm. unrelated and they think why the hell are you having a go at me for that it's mm. not a, and it's all this because they don't being, know being honest with yourself right and knowing yeah. what you want from everything so if you know that from a very young age you would never get yourself into that situation so the truth to yourself knowing who you are and what you want from your life you don't end up in 20 years time with somebody that gets on your nerves essentially because mm. you kind of go through life as a duo then you'd find somebody as a pair and you'd work but that out but it's like trying to be it's like trying to go out with your best friend like you yeah. want to mm. I always look at my I've got a best girlfriend in the whole world and um, she's been my bestie since we were 19 and I always think like God if I could just find a man because any any issue that we have I mean, oh my goodness, we have been through so many different things in life, deaths, births, marriages. She remarried her husband. You know, we, like, we've been through so much together and it's just made us stronger. Mm. And that's the dream, isn't yeah, it? To like it meet is. somebody and do that. If only she could grow a penis. Yeah, if only. <laughs> if only. Fantastic. I keep checking. Could she? <laughs> no. no. We're her. not that far advanced. <laughs> She's woken up with one. No! <laughs> like, well, what have you done? Could I fancy you? Could I? <laughs> You've I, tried. Yeah, I've tried. But I it's know. true. But, but then, I, you know, you also, you, you must, you're drawn to aspects of a man, you know, and, and I guess this is where it gets a bit complicated because it's like, well, you know, sometimes women want to be, they want to see the man, you know, so there's this vulnerability, you want men to open up their hearts. But for, I think for men, there's a fine balance in, oh God, you know, I'm being timid and this is me, I'm feeling really sad. It's like, well, actually, I do still want an element of a man. I do want to be looked after still to that degree. So there is, I think that's where we get confused is that men put too much emphasis on the man bit and the strength and I'm not going to do any of that bit. And then we lose touch with the heart bit and there's that fine balance in the middle where we do show our heart but we still also, you know, have the strength to, to be resilient and be perhaps the rock sometimes that, that you need. And well, I think, it, I think what it is, what you're talking about there, mm. is that all men and all women are different. Mm. And the soulmate thing happens mm. when the cogs fit. So you meet a woman yeah. who, because I do think that there are people that make you feel confident. Mm. And there are people that like, there's something about them that just literally puts you on shaky ground from the get go. Mm. And these are, these are the kind of relationships that I sought out when I was a very young girl. You know, I always went for the bad boy. I always oh, went yeah. for the boy that would make me feel insecure. My heart's fluttering. That's and, like, anxiety. It was just like, ter- yeah, <laughs> it's true. like just terrible fear. Like you'd always think that they'd be running. And I'm not, I'm not a jealous person at all, but there'd be, I'd always go for the guys that would make me feel Terrible. Terror, terror fit. And 
the soulmate thing happens and I've always been slightly like I don't believe in soulmates but I have met some married couples recently and I've just thought my god I just I think you are soulmates where they make you feel good and they make you feel really confident and they and they make you feel like you can be vulnerable and then be confident in three hours later because that's who I am I'm the person that will I could be in I could be in absolute tatters the last time I really, really cried, like, like really let rip was when we laid my granny, oh God, I'm gonna start going again. When we laid my granny to rest, and my granny was a really special woman and I lived, I lived with her and she was the one that taught me all my morals and manners and like, and we went and it's a family, it's a family churchyard and a lot of my family there. And uh, my granddad was there and they, there was a space for her next to him and I was with my dad who is my other rock and my dad has Alzheimer's and I was kept reminding him of like where we were and why we were there and I suddenly just had this such like a huge feeling of loss Mm. and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I went to my friends I drove to Suffolk to my friend's house and I got there and she said we're going to do an art class and I just burst into tears again. And I was like, I said, I'm sorry, Emma, but I am gonna cry every five minutes that we're together because I'm just in one of those places where I cannot stop. It's like a tsunami. <laughs> and then that evening I was really laughing. It was like I'd unlocked something, I'd let it all go. Mm. And then I was really laughing. And I thought, I'm around people that make me feel so safe that it's all right to one minute be crying and the next minute be laughing. And I think. Love is like feeling safe enough with your people that, and I do, I do do that. I'm with, I mean, like, I feel like you're my people, right? But there are other times where I'll go somewhere and I'll go, I've had a lovely night, but they're not my people. Mm. Yeah. Like it doesn't fit. Mm. We're not, we're not fitting. No, absolutely. I think that's that's why we're so desperate to have you on this. No, it's part because we we know as well. Exactly. You're our people. 100%. Um, People who show their heart. You know, and, and and they're not afraid to. My big, they're real. Thing, my big thing with all of this is that um, it's all very well for the three of us to get together and say we're each other's people, and especially in cities, that happens a lot. And I'm so lucky to be on this thing of I don't know where my life's going to go, but because I don't believe in rules and boxes, that mm. might be right for me in that moment, and then I can move on. Nothing lasts forever. Let's go on this journey together. Mm. Get into the places that we're people are killing themselves more often than not now you know there's huge massive uh, demographics of people in scotland northern parts of england mm. in parts of london and wales where i come from and it, they are in desperate situations mm. and what what do you say to those people what how can we get that to them that's that's the big thing for me I've, I, you had, know. I've had quite a few mates of mine and you'd think like in your 50s you'd have it quite sussed and mm. i've had maybe two suicides this year Same. friends of mine and I, I think the hard, the hard thing is, is that I, f- I feel like sometimes those people, it's such that is an illness where it's an imbalance, and but it's asking for help, isn't it? Mm. But I think when you're in depression, I mean, I, I'm touch wood. I'm very lucky because I don't think I've ever really felt depressed. I've always felt that there's hope. I've felt enormously sad and I'm, I feel often that I'm grieving 
loss of something you know just like moving into a different phase of my life that often means saying goodbye to something else and that's sad but I don't I don't get depressed mm-hmm. and I I know and I've seen friends of mine that have depression it's it's when you're in it you the, the, you know that all your friends would be saying but why didn't you call me but you're like I couldn't call you I was in it yeah. but that is the one time when you need help so I think it's more for people like me to be really fucking vigilant that's even worse (laughs) (laughs) but to be really vigilant of your friends like be vigilant and watch out for people that you know get those moments normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I can go through an entire day without speaking to anybody an entire weekend, sticking in my flat and not being sociable. And I'm very oh, shy. I'm either or. Yes. I'm either, there's See, no I'm in between. very happy in my own company now. Mm-hmm. It's taken me a very long time okay. to get what, here. What's changed? Like, can I ask? What, how, why is that different? Uh, I've got you now, haven't I? Yeah. I, I guess you, getting older, com- happier in my own skin. Hmm. Would you say that it's a case of you've learned to love yourself? Do yeah, you definitely. I think that's it, isn't it? You, when you, you can become happy in your own skin when you've... Uh, seeking validation from others is not great. And not seeking a constant, like, constant level of happiness. I think there's enormous pressure on all of us now to be happy all mm. the time. Like, yeah. And mm. um, it's, it's nirvana, isn't it? It's like, you know, the ha- happiness project and mm. how to be happy. And what mm. is it called? Um, Higgy. The little book of Figgy. Well, look, I can't be like that all the time. And actually, if I was, I'd be flatlining. Like, like you know, you'd be a constant rate of happiness. How could you be actually happy? You only feel like that kind of "I'm the man" when maybe the day before you didn't feel like that. So it's like a surge. But then you need the darkness. You You might be on your own for a bit. It's just you want to make sure that that darkness doesn't take you too low. But my life is full of peaks and troughs, and of course sad things are going to happen to me and I've learned a lot through recovery of like the bad times are never as bad as your darkest day using so Mm. you can that Mm. it will always get better and you will get through this like you've got through everything else in your life and you don't need to pick up Mm. drugs Mm. and and I've realised that these peaks and troughs are actually rather enjoyable you know it's like a life roller coaster and Mm. yeah they are it's part of it we have the cracks so that 
to let the light in, isn't it? Yes. Like an echo inside. Yes. That goes yeah. back to, to how it's so important that sometimes we're not okay and that's yes. okay. Yes. Because you've got, you can't always be happy. And mm. I've actually got a, a thing about ambition at the moment because I really feel we're in this, mighty, this hugely ambitious world where right from a young age it's ambition. And for me, sometimes ambition teaches us never to be happy because you achieve mm. something while well, I'm re- never getting oh, that. You never get you it. Never and then get it's get ambitious. It. And then mm. suddenly you're on your deathbeds and you never thought, God, I've achieved all this. And never once did I kind of go, well I done. About that. And actually, it's, you know, it's about the flip almost for me is gratitude and being grateful actually for what we do have rather than envious of what we don't. Yes. Oh my you God. Know? Well, that is a world that we live in, isn't it? Like, yeah. That we're always, yeah. bit, oh, we haven't got that. Haven't we're we? always chasing we're something. Always yes. chasing. Paradise is in the moment and in the present yes. and, and, and embracing and like the a process. It's it? a huge yes. thing and it gets thrown around on Instagram quotes willy mm, nilly. Yeah. But in reality, the, the, when you look back in hindsight, even when you achieve things, th- those big moments, I achieved that goal, I got that TV show, I did that. Yeah. You know, the build up to it is probably more fun because yeah. immediately when you get it, you go, what, what next? What next? What's now? Mm. Or is a slump? It's, it's a really horrible feeling. You finish a marathon, you finish it, you, you're like, yeah, you've done that. And you go, oh, that four month build up is gone now. Yeah. So the knowing and embracing the actual nugget of paradise is in the process is very mm. important but knowing that and feeling that is two very different things mm. yeah that's really important to yeah. kind of put out but it's there. key that gratitude is the pathway to happiness you know and that I, I totally and that's another thing that I am very grateful for is my gratitude yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. always grateful for everything yeah. I think that's come from using I was going to say actually how how would you view your past are you grateful for your past yeah, totally. you, you, because I yeah, think because I think it gave me such gratitude like it was so disgusting yeah it got so cruddy and crusty and dirty and do you mind me asking revolting. how crusty and how dirty oh, well I had this really weird line of like I I'm never going to inject heroin so because I didn't inject heroin for years I thought well I'm fine because I'm not as bad as they are mm. um and I sort of, you know, I'd, I'd had, I had all these weird justifying sort of lines where I'd think, well, I'm not as bad as them because I work or I've never stolen to buy drugs, you know, and that, that, that. Yeah. And I always wore lots of makeup and I made sure that I always looked presentable and I tried, if I was going to nod out, I'd try to not do it in front of anybody. So nobody kind of knew. It was, I had this brave face. So for me, it was things like, you know, buying drugs off somebody with open sores on their arms from like a McDonald's on Edgware Road, you know, that was a low mm. point. Like just mm. thinking, what am I doing? Or at five o'clock in the morning, um, thinking I want to go and score some drugs and then being quite annoyed because I realised that my heroin dealer's flat was on fire and I wasn't annoyed <laughs> or worried about him. <laughs> like, I was just annoyed that I couldn't get my drugs. I mean, oh. this is terrible because, and I, I was trying to explain this to someone the other day, when somebody is an alcoholic or an addict, um, nothing is more important than mm. their drugs or drink. Mm. Mm. And that's quite a frightening thought, but that is the truth. And I've got kids and I've got a lovely, like, I, I love my life, I love my children, I love my friends. None of them would matter if I, if I started again. So I just don't mm. want to do that. And, um, but it's made me very grateful. No, oh, and, gosh. I think it's huge and I actually think all three of us sitting around this table we've all got you know our, our, bo- our bottom places I guess that we went to and, but we're, we're grateful for that mm-hmm. because without for me without the whole thing around the, the sex stuff that I mentioned before 
I never would have gone on this journey um, of exploration and Hang growth. On, is that the first journey? That was good, wasn't it? That took yeah. a long time. That's not too bad. Yeah. We've done That's been 40 well. minutes. That's very good. <laughs> journey clacks and everybody. Yeah. Take, drink the shot. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. I, I don't know now how it could. non-stop. Yeah, exactly. I know. Like I've opened the floodgates. London buses. Um, um, but without that, I never would have gone on. And through my 20s, you know, I'd lived in that place of being pretty vacuous and chasing touristic possessions and being looking for external validation blah 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 without my difficulties I wouldn't have gone to the place I'm at now which is a far healthier far a place of much more inner peace and I massively believe that you know success is about inner peace you know and how old are you 37 7 and how yeah. old are you 35 yeah you're both at roughly the same age it's interesting isn't yeah. it that yeah. it, I think you do have to go through it's like a a, a journey yeah, there we go. <laughs> there's a path that you follow that you know age brings you lots of things but it does seem to bring a, a certain sort of level of self-knowledge that helps you be like just more comfortable in your own skin yeah but I, I think it, there's, there's great opportunity I think this is the main thing I wanted to say is that there's great opportunity you know and you Matt getting to that point of suicide recognising it and, and being self-aware to say I don't want to be here you know yeah. that gave you opportunity for you Davina when you were on that corner and the, the, the outside McDonald's and it, you know you, you're like that's your opportunity you reach the point where you're like I don't want to be in this place yeah, and I'm that's I when you grow thinking to myself like I'm not this person yeah mm. I, I, I'm my granny's granddaughter like yeah. a God fearing you know um, moralistic yeah. how did you I, end I, up in that place what, what was the first time well, you because I had what? like a mad mad mother in Paris and she was really sort of fun and exciting and exotic and um, massive alcoholic pill popping drug taking sex maniac and when I went to Paris there were no boundaries like none right. I could wear whatever mm. I wanted to wear I could take any drugs I wanted to I could smoke cigarettes I could do it all then I'd go back to my granny's and I'd be in hand-me-down clothes and like really very, very, very simple, really good, clean, solid life. And then I'd go back to Paris. Mm. Um, and that my granny used to talk about um, the sort of the debrief. She said often that it would be about a month before I would properly sort of calm down. I'd be like a wow. feral child when I came back. And, how old and then I'd kind of... So from five, I flew on, like an, as an unaccompanied minor to Paris uh, mm. every big holiday. So half times I would stay at home. So I'd have like maybe three months at home and then I'd okay. go to France for a month and then it would take me a month to recover and then I'd go back out. Wow. And I learned really quickly to not tell anybody in the UK about what happened in Paris because yeah. mm. I could see that they'd go so mad. And I, and I was beginning to, even at nine, ten, quite enjoy this sort of oh like I'm never allowed to do this at home like yeah. oh god I can you know and I got get, given like wadges of cash by my grandfather in Paris to just buy clothes like my granny and granddad you know two up two down we just didn't have any money like mm. I was just thinking this is it's amazing separate like totally different like, two different nun, views at that age half nun half wild child just completely oh, wow. mad so would you, would you, I mean, it, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but it almost feels inevitable having been through so much of what you did mm. around your mum or, or in that environment mm. that almost is inevitable you're going to go down that path. It would have taken you to be hugely um, mature, I guess, at a very mm. young age to understand that perhaps that wasn't setting you up in the right direction. Mm. I think what it was was that 
I, I had a hole in my heart and it was like um it was like a sieve and every time I tried to fill it up with anything mm. anything boys drugs anything mm. it would just go through mm. and nothing would ever block up the hole so it would never fill up mm. and um and drugs would temporarily fill it mm. and I'd feel amazing yeah and whole and yeah. loved and hugged and looked after and cherished yeah. and and then they'd go and I'd be like oh my god I'm hurting and then of course uh, you know you, then you, you go back to what helps yeah you. yeah so and I weirdly I sort of avoided alcohol because I could see my mum was an alcoholic and I thought I'm definitely not taking alcohol let's take drugs instead mm. amazing skip the alcohol <laughs> and go straight to heroin um, and it was it was you know and I've been so careful not to glamorise or glorify or um you know ever say anything because drugs did take me to a really dark place and i always say to the children told my kids the whole story mm. and i tell it to them again and again and again because i think repetition you know i don't want you to forget any of this story because it's russian roulette you start and you don't know if you're going to be one of the people that can just go oh actually it's midnight i'm going to stop and i'm going to go to bed yeah. or mm. are you going to be the person that's at five o'clock in the morning annoyed because your dealer's flat's on fire. Mm. And that's you know? the thing. When we say we went through these bad times and it's made us the people we are now, mm. it's not saying that everybody should go through that bad time. We, mm. in, a, in a way, I feel like I've been through that terrible time, so you, you lot don't have to, mm. or my kids don't have to. Because so I all ran that down this road. Because um, when you were I in it, did you, re- did you reach out? No, yeah. not at all, like, no. Why? Not, I, 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 at the time, I had a very loving girlfriend, and that situation was was very positive. But I was just going through something I didn't understand myself. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was a period of like a, a long, slowly drawn out depression. Then uh, we broke up, but then I started drinking heavily, mm-hmm. and then that didn't help, and this spiraled very quickly out of control. Then, and. And I'm not saying that's been a part of me. Depression hasn't always been a part of me. Maybe it has when I was a kid, but I had ways of dealing with it when I was a kid. I used to run off and hide and draw on my own and play guitar. And that was my mindfulness. But for some reason in my 20s, I'd lost control of what made me tick and who I was and, and how to deal with certain dark thoughts, etc. And then it got out, got out of hand. But I didn't, in the moment, in, in, in that in that time at that time I didn't have a clue what the hell was going on and how's your relationship with booze now it's good it's really good it's it's, it's healthy mm. I was very lucky that the depression came before alcohol the alcohol yeah. alcohol didn't cause depression yeah, yeah. Mm. so I see people with um, with addictions and, and who live with it from that people that can't drink forever because of their period and I'm very lucky I can I can have a glass of wine with food mm. and not feel like I need three bottles of it or mm. something you know, I, li- I like a drink mis- as much as anybody, but um, that's what I'm very lucky, mm. definitely. It's funny because I, I remember thinking that it was just the worst thing ever, not being able to have another drink. Oh, like, yeah. I kept thinking, you know, they keep saying it's just for today, like, just don't have a drink today. But I was thinking, I'm not going to have a drink for the rest of my life this way. And now if somebody waved a magic wand and said, you know what, drink, you can drink. Mm. I wouldn't. You wouldn't, just wow. in case. No. no, not even just in case. Don't want just to. Don't want to. Not That's interested. Nice. You don't need it. No. I do think yeah. it's, it's, I said, I was saying to you earlier, Matt, it's sometimes a really sad situation where we feel like we have to have a drink to have a nice conversation. Mm. You know, I'm like, what, can't we just have a really lovely conversation mm. and drink some water yeah. or some green tea or coffee or whatever, mm. like we're doing now? It doesn't have to, we don't have to. I love meeting my friends, but I don't want to necessarily have to drink with them. Mm. You know, I'd rather have a lovely conversation, wake up feeling great in the morning and 
go about my day but just I just want to go back to Matt because this is something I wanted to raise with you as well but about what could have helped you I mean a big thing for me and what could have helped you is, is education at an earlier age you know you, you never knew the power of your mind you didn't know where happiness existed or what would make you happy you were doing what you thought did make you happy you were going out partying you thought this was great this mm. is fun da 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 and you ended up in this dark hole and you were like well this is weird because I feel like I've got it all I'm a handsome guy and there's lots going on in my life and yet I feel like this and then you felt angry about yourself feeling well, yeah I used, to, used yeah. to hate myself because I was like who, who the hell are you to feel depressed about yeah. this mm. you know what, what, what have you got to be depressed about mm. but it's like well who can blame you because you never had any education to, to, to give you any idea about what mindset yeah. is is powerful or helpful um, you just went on the on the path and Davina with kids do you is there anything that you try and do with them or do you how do you oh feel God. the education as a, as a parent yeah um I'm a completely different parent to my parents' generation. Mm. And I think that the next generation of parents will be even more different. I mean, my kids rip the mick out of me so mercilessly for my little catchphrases. Because when they were little and if someone was being mean to them, I always used to say to them about standing under your imaginary umbrella. I do it all the time. So if somebody's yuck to me or somebody's being angry and it's clearly they're not angry with me, they're angry about something that happened this morning. I like literally, I mean, I physically don't do it, but I kind of put my umbrella up and I just sit underneath it <laughs> and I let it rain over me, but it's just trickling wow. over there because I just think it's not going to touch me this. Yeah. Uh, or I'll put, say, put on your golden cloak, put your golden cloak on and go and like, so now... <laughs> Now they're 17, 15 and 12. My 17 and 15 year old go, you put, you're putting on your golden cloak. <laughs> like, all right, all right. Listen, you guys, it got you through. It's got so, you through. So they are so much more aware. My son is so much more um, chatty about feelings. And in fact, the school are amazing. And um I think as a parent, I talk to them a lot about everything, every feeling, you know, it's all, it's not usually like, how was your day today? It's like, well, how are you feeling today? And was it a good day? Or, you know, what was, what was your favorite part of the day? Um, and what was the worst bit of the day? Often it's pudding, you know, food, like <laughs> some sort of food related thing for my son. But sometimes he'll say, oh, I, I had a tough time in a lesson or I don't understand this. And you think... Okay, well, we can do something about that. Yes. Mm. Or oh, the really important. amazing thing. I mean, stuff I'm learning all the time is about like negotiating with um, a teenager. So somebody said to me, don't um, never say no to a teenager. And I thought, you've got to be nuts. Like, of course, you've got to say no to a teenager. Sometimes they're, they're going to do something. And usually it's about something like, could you pick me up at this time? Or could you? So she might say to me, can you pick me up at one from a party? And I'll go, oh, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with one, but we'll sit down and I'll want to go, I can't, I can't do it. And she'll say, oh, but it's a really good party and a da da da. And I'll go, how about we compromise? Could I pick you up at half 12? And what I do is I set the alarm and I go to bed and I pick her up in my jimmy jams. Um, <laughs> but uh, the difference is, is that I didn't say no so she didn't storm off and say, I hate you and slam the door. Mm -hmm. mm. And we sat down and she feels like she was heard. 
and then I feel like she did hear me that it actually is a struggle for me to wake up in the middle of the night and go and pick her up and then I have to come all the way back home then I don't get to bed till two and then my son's up at seven you know it's like it's mm. tough she gets to sleep in till ten yeah. but actually if I explain all of that she goes oh yeah because teenagers the world revolves around them they don't get it mm. and so we all feel heard argument avoided best thing ever mm. well that never happened in my day no. no because my parents didn't know that they no. didn't have the tools to sort of mm. um so i feel like we get a lot more tools nowadays um i could talk to you all day <laughs> we have actually <laughs> <laughs> and there's one thing that we want to ask you oh yes and that's what we're going to do now throughout our podcast is um we want to ask you not in a long-winded way at all what would you say to your younger self what advice would you give um, the first thing that I would say, and this was such a revelation to me, and I got hypnotized um, three years back, and uh, he took away my fear of abandonment. Mm. Like, I didn't go to ask him to take away my fear of abandonment. I went to ask him to make me all right in a submarine at a thousand meters under the sea, because I was really worried about getting claustrophobia down there. Mm. And in the process in three sessions he said it'll take me three sessions and you're going to love going down in the submarine I was like okay amazing and session two was where he said I'm going to take away your fear of abandonment if you'd like me to and it took me a while to get to the point where I was willing for him to take it away which was weird as well like why would I not be willing mm. to have it taken away but I was frightened that it would change me as a person because mm, exactly. it was like everything that was everything it was yeah. my core issue mm. it was a safe and place for you. it was a safe place Mm. And um, and the upshot was that I was with little me, little feeling abandoned me, um, underneath my favourite tree in the garden. And he said, tell her it's all going to be all right. And I was really crying. And I was just going, I, ca I can't tell her it's all going to be all right. It's not all, all going to be all right. I mean, I, I do terrible things and I, beha I behave in a terrible, terrible way and awful things happen to me. It's not all gonna be all right. And he just said, but look at you now. I was like, oh, it, it is all gonna be all right. Mm. And I thought, it, oh, that, what? <laughs> and then I woke up and it was like he'd planted a seed that just has kept growing of like this was just a process my life was a process and my using was a small part of that mm. process that was dark but then the light came and I'm fine and I'm not just fine I'm really good and so I think the big message to me which I struggle with all through my youth and my teenage years and my 20s which led me to sort of feel like I was a troubled child was that it's not all going to be all right and I would just say it is oh what a wonderful beautiful woman Ben that special that touched me yeah speaking with Davina really touched me she was amazing I just I just think she set the tone for what we want to do we we had this open wonderful valued conversation and do you know what more the more the merrier like that that'll be Completely. wonderful right? I hope that's the tone set yeah so uh, stay tuned for more we'll be here every week with a new guest with a new topic we're gonna have an open conversation by the way 
we as you can probably hear we're not professional professors you know we are here to have a conversation and to and to do the right thing aren't we completely yeah we're two we're two normal men who are just interested yeah. in this stuff we want to open up we've learned i guess ourselves we've been on a journey and uh we're here to share that and have open conversations and hopefully that comes across and talking about sharing if you want to share the love please rate review and subscribe tell all your friends follow us on the twitter at tnp podcast and follow us on instagram too at the naked professors and if you could share this to your friends we can hopefully get to them and help them understand their own minds and then the world would be a better place there you have it i couldn't not say it better wonderful stuff ben you're a pleasure too my friend <laughs> and you Matthew. love you love you too 